everybody, welcome back to another Talking Walls podcast. It's Dave, and uh, today I'm alongside Matt Cooper. Matt, how's it going, man? Very well, thank you, mate. It's uh, it's good to be back with the footballs on. It's, it feels like an eternity, but it's good to be back and being able to talk about stuff that's actually happened that's meaningful, so looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, today, guys, we're going to be talking about, obviously, the, uh, the first three games since the Premier League restart. Uh, it's been a good start for Wolves. Obviously, we'll uh, we'll go uh, over that a little bit more, uh, and then we'll just obviously be talking about what else has been going on in and around uh, the, the Molyneux and the footballing world. Uh, first of all, be sure to go and check out our channel partners over at Pitch Football. Uh, they're sponsoring the podcast. Uh, a fantastic app to go and check out. Football app, which you can engage with other fans on. You can pick your predicted team, select who you think is going to win. And they do so uh, so much other cool stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, on the App Store or Google Play Store, just type in Pitch Football and you'll be able to download that app as well. Um, Matt, as well, we I'll let you talk about it a little bit. We did launch our new website as well over the last few weeks or so. Um, and, and things are looking good at the moment. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a huge success really we've we've got I, I think we've got about 29 or 30 pieces of content out in the last month which is it's it's a tremendous effort so thank you to everyone who has contributed and thanks to those who are reading them we've had nearly 3000 people on the site this month uh, reading our um, thought lead, leading articles um, if if you are interested in writing for us and got a background in writing or, or you know journalism student wants to get into it, then either drop Talking Wolves or myself or Dave, Dave a message and get involved. But yeah, it, it's been really really good. We're going to try and keep up with it, keep as much content as we can. But not just content that's what you see usually, like a match report where someone just tells you what happened. They're going to tell you what happened and why. You know, we want we want it to cause a bit of debate and a bit of opinion. But yeah, thanks for visiting, guys, and and, and keep your eyes peeled. There'll be more content coming in the. In the next coming days, yeah, yeah, for sure. Really looking forward to it, and like like Matt said, I do appreciate everyone there tuning in yeah. and and dropping support on that. Um, so we're gonna be, as I said, we're gonna be talking about the restart for Wolves. Obviously, we we saw the fixtures, we knew the fixtures, um, and of course, plenty of you listening to the last podcast, sort of, we gave it a quick preview of that. So it was West Ham United away, Bournemouth at home, and Aston Villa away. Three games for Wolves on paper. We should be winning, um, but that us actually winning them uh, was was another thing. But Matt, we start off with a West Ham game um, just over a week ago now, and and Wolves actually getting a two nil win to kick off the restart. It was it was like we'd never been away. Um, very, it was a comprehensive performance, exactly how I expected it to pan out. Sit tight for 55, 60 minutes, then bring a Dharma slash a, a Neto on, and really and really go for it and. I know West Ham are struggling, they've got injuries, but they, they're they a proven Premier League side. They've been in a division, or kind of, not making the numbers up, but they've, they've been they've been there for a good few years now, and, and to, to go there and to beat them in the last four games too, I think it shows how far we've come, but again, tactically, Nuno had it spot on. Uh, everyone, everyone cries for Adama from the start, and... I'm probably guilty of that too, but it just shows that it was a right choice by picking up a 2-0 win and what a goal from Neto at the end, Christ. Fantastic volley as well. And like you say, I think, you know, every team that we came up against uh, since the restart so far, they've they've short, you know, they've had to, had a point to prove really. Mm. And all three of them are struggling. All three of them are, you know, fighting relegation at the moment. Uh, And West Ham United, I'd probably say... Um, you know they just didn't they didn't offer a lot did they I think with them um, and I think you could say with Bournemouth and Villa as well 
attack attacking wise is really letting them down. They haven't got someone up there that they can rely on to score goals, especially West Ham. They're relying on Mikel Antonio, who he tried his hardest, but he just yeah. had he just had no option. He had no you know he had no sniff. So like you say, Jimenez back on the on the uh, on the score sheet. Uh, Adama with another cross there, mm. and then Neto, like you say, what a volley that was! I don't think uh, anyone's expecting that. The way he sort of waited for that to come it's, over, it's not over easy. The well. You can see so him, you can see him like adjusting his feet because he's anticipating it. And I know Jimenez has, has played a part in that too. Great cross on top, but Jimenez has kind of he's probably had a shout from Neto to, to leave it. But the way he kind of adjusted his feet just as he's about to strike the ball, as he wait, so it's a fantastic strike and. It, it was unstoppable. It would have been past Fabianski before he even even saw it. But again, Neto's come back and he impressed before the break. But bloody hell, he's been even better after the break. Yeah, he's. I mean, we'll talk about the Bournemouth uh, game in a minute. Uh, but I've said it plenty of times: the fact that Wolves now have, obviously, we've got these extra substitutes. But the fact now we've got the likes of Adama who can come off the bench if we start with Donk. You've got Neto. You've got Pedence. You know. For me, they're three wingers there, or three attackers, that could walk into plenty of Premier League sides. I'm not going to say the top Premier League sides, but mm. probably most teams, if not all the teams outside the top six, those, those three could easily play a part in, uh, and make a difference for the, for the rest of the squads in the Premier League. So yeah. the fact that, you know, how far Wolves have come is sort of... I'm not going to say our squad depth is still great, because it's not. We could do, you know, we've only used, what, 19, 20 players in the Premier League all season. Um, but the options now, especially going forward, the options we do have whilst everyone's fit is is, yeah. is different level. The, fifth, the 15 or 16 players that, that we have, obviously including the starting 11, are, are really, really good. And Nuno, he's shown in the past he likes cover in in, in, in those positions, the wide positions and, and the fullback positions. I think we could potentially get more cover. At fullback, with only Vinagra really who can who can play there, but Matheson coming in too, we don't know what what kind of impact he's going to have. But having having Neto and Pedence to come off the bench, it's it, it, it's a stark contrast to Cavalera and Costa. They they played a massive part in Wolves coming up, especially Cav. But you compare Neto and and Pedence to Cav and and Costa, and they're just completely different animals. Like you expect Neto probably more so than Pedence because we've not seen a lot of him to come off the bench and make a difference and change the game and more often than not he has where I don't think you could say that about Kevin Costa so it's definitely an upgrade and probably for less money I would assume if you if you discounted Jordan out the deal so it's brilliant business and kudos to the scouting team because to pick Neto up who's played four or five senior games first team games before coming to Wolves it's, um, it's a beautiful bit of business yeah, and the fact you know he's he's arguably been one of Wolves, you know, better players, and you could say one of the signings of the season for Wolves. I think <clears throat> earlier in the season, you know, when we came up to Christmas, everyone sort of wrote off that summer window, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, we brought in Vallejo, Cotrone, and Co. And everyone thought, you know, it's probably one of our worst transfer windows under under the Fosun regime. But uh, Neto has, has definitely been one of those sort of uh, the gems out of the out of those signings, and really shown that now. And it's. Uh, Arguably, could be knocking on the door for a for a yeah. uh, first team spot and a start. Jota's got to be worried because um, the, the performances he's turned in since since the restart, and it's always the same with Jota when when we've had a break or it's the start of the season. It, it's always nearly but not quite, and I think with Neto breathing down his neck, he's only going to be a positive for him to kind of turn around his form. But failing that, 
previously we've had to stick with Jota because there's been no one better but Neto's been waiting in the wings taking his opportunity so well um, so yeah it, it's great to have such good cover in the wide positions where we're arguably probably our most potent out wide yeah, I agree. And um, the fact that, uh, as well, that Walls, not once but twice since the restart, Matt, have been able to sort of play that free in the middle and look really, really sound with it. I think Nuno has almost found the right balance of players for, for that formation as well. We, we've had spells under Nuno over the last two years where we sort of blowing hot and cold on both formations. But I think the last three games has shown, and obviously it'll, it'll tell for the last few games of the season, I think the last couple of games especially have shown that Wolves can rely on both formations when they need to. Yeah, I think game management in the last season was was poor because we dropped points against the lesser sides and it was just screaming out for maybe some some penetration or someone to get forward and break teams down. Whereas this season, I've, I can't remember the stat, but we barely dropped any points against the bottom six. Um I think we lost one game compared to probably about five or six or something. Yeah, like that. we've um, got a really, really good record. We yeah. just, we just look solid. I don't know if they've been working on the shape and stuff whilst, whilst they've been back training, but it just, it just looks so solid and so organised and compact. I know we'll come on to the Villa game in in a bit, but again, we just completely nullified anything they had going forward and resorting to them playing, playing long balls. And it was the same, it's the same with Bournemouth as well. I know they're not great teams, but Nuno set up in a in a way and he wants to play his game whilst we can still be dangerous and nullify any threat that they've got going forward and so far it's worked an absolute treat I just hope hope we can carry on what's been amazing for him yeah agreed and I mean that moves us on to that Bournemouth game again Wolves changing formation to that it's almost as if I thought at that point we had a home and away tactic even without the, the fans. Wall, you know, Nuno changed the formation to reintroduce Adama into the starting eleven, And of course he made a big impact in that first half. But Matt, I think like you said, the way that Bournemouth sort of loaded that midfield, we did see a lot more direct balls from Wolves, didn't we? We couldn't really, we struggled to break Bournemouth down, I think, like we, like we broke West Ham down for most of the game. Yeah, I, I think playing the, 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 the three midfield against our two, if you cast our minds back to Huddersfield last season, where they packed the midfield out, and Watford did the same earlier on in the season, it was just some fans thought same old story here. We're going to get overrun, and initially, I think we we did a little bit. I think Bournemouth had the better in the middle of the park, but we grew into the game. Um, but you can tell they were lacking in confidence, like snapping at things, and their expected goals. It's not something I usually look at, but their expected goals for that game was was it like point sixteen or something, which. <laughs> you get, they just didn't have, didn't have a sniff at all. But um, uh, point zero six, I think it was. It was absolutely ridiculously dreadful. low. It was yeah. yeah um, I but yeah, I, I thought thought Neves and Matinho were fairly poor to start with. Because you know the play balls like wide, and it'd be like four or five yards short or go straight out of play, and you you just thought it's going to be one of them games. But then I think every first half for Wolves is pretty uninspiring because Nuno likes to sand out the teams, get them settled in, and then go for its second half. And yeah. it's worked so far, so you can't really criticise it. Yeah, I mean, again, this is this is mainly for the Villa game, but the fact that I was, I was sort of looking on social media and the amount of people, firstly, moaning before the game about the lineup, and then for, secondly, moaning at half-time. And I thought, especially this season, we, we all know that Wolves aren't a first-half team. We all know that you know we're not going to be 3-0 up against half-time, whoever we play against. Um, so it did surprise me when I saw some of the comments, but 
yet again, Wolves, second half FC against Bournemouth this time around. And it was that combo of Adama and Jimenez again. And, I mean, Bournemouth defence, I think, defensively, they'll be disappointed about that. But another great cross by Adama and another beautiful header by uh, Raul, Matt. Yeah, it was... Um... Was it was a great cross from Madama. It's it, it the turnaround. I know we, you and I, have been banging his drum since he came, and a lot of fans are telling us we talk shite, which is a fair comment because we usually do. But we've been right about Adama. <laughs> um, he's added that end product, and he's he's just he's unstoppable. There is no way you can stop him apart from hacking him down. And you see Villa fans who say, "Well, Grealish has been fouled twice as more." That's because a Adama tries to stay on his feet, and b no one can get anywhere near him, so no one can foul him. Um, but again, fantastic cross. He's getting his head up now. He's, he's. You can see before he'd just try and get to the ball on and whip a ball in, but now he sees no one's in the box and he slows the play down and he waits for someone to get up and then he gets on the afterburners, drives, and gets what again the West Ham and the Bournemouth goal. The, the crosses were pinpoint. They were literally on a plate for him. And there's now the Bournemouth one was a. He hasn't meant to head it where he's headed it because you can see like it goes off the side of his head, but. It's an absolute bullet header, a proper number nine's finish. You don't really see a lot of those headers these days. Um, but I think looking at Raul's performances the past three games and him coming out in the media and stuff and saying, oh, it's a dream to be linked with these clubs, etc. We don't want to see it here, we don't want to see it. But I've said that I don't think he's world class. Well, I think the past three games, it, I may have... I may be wrong. He may be teaching on the edge of world class because I think without him, we'd really struggle. But he's just got absolutely everything and we need to keep all of him as long as we can. Yeah, I mean, some of his movement and stuff, and I know on the YouTube videos especially, that a lot of the Mexican fans are upset that either myself or on the fans' videos that we don't praise Raul enough. But I think it's got to a point now where... It doesn't surprise us. Yeah. It's almost as if we're expecting it from Raul. It's not. It's not out of the ordinary. It's normal for him. So uh, apologies if any Mexicans are listening. But yeah. that's that's genuinely take it as a compliment because I think that's the reason why. You know, as Wolves fans now, it's just something that we come to expect that Raul drops a great performance. But even the last couple of games, he had quiet spells. But you just know if you can get the ball into him yeah. uh, into the area, he's going to be the that's man on the, the end of it. He's, yeah. Especially aerially, he's, he's a he's a bit of a beast. That, yeah, that's the um, thing I've been critical of him most, though. Me personally, is that he's got absolutely everything. But apart from the fact he's not he's not ruthless in front of the goal, you might need two or three yeah. chances to score. Well, that's uh, that's just been pissed all over the past three weeks because the past two weeks because when he's had the chance to score. He's duly dispatched and, you know, perhaps he's world-class and he might be one of those players you don't appreciate until he's gone. But the Bournemouth, the, how many headers has he scored? Like this Arsenal, the, the Slovan Bratislava game, yeah, all, all similar, Liverpool. back stick, yeah. rising above yeah. the defenders. But it's not just that, in the Villa game, he picked the ball up in like 70 minutes and like split two defenders and, and I don't know if he drew a foul or played someone through. It's like, six foot three, shouldn't be moving like that. You know he's he's got he's not he's obviously not electric but he's so intelligent with his runs too. He's just the perfect complete striker. Yeah, I agree, and he, he has it's it's what we ever come to expect. You know, he's he's been with us now coming up to two years, and yeah, he's been a fantastic player. And of course, the fact that you know. He could genuinely be hitting by the end of the season for including Europa League games. He could be hitting thirty plus goals throughout. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure he will. If, if, Which is almost unheard of, though, for a Wolves player, isn't it? In top top level. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's, you're probably going back to the seventies. Like John 24 Richards. goals and 
it might be like 10 assists, something like that. So you're looking at the potentially over 40, 40 goal contributions in a season. I know we've played a lot of games, but you got you got to look back to people like Bully and, and, and players like that for Wolves, a Wolves player to kind of get anywhere near that. In And again, he, it's a short division. He's doing it amongst the best. He's, he, he's got to mm-hmm. be. I know some of the older generation will probably be like, oh, you have a Bully. He's probably want to be one of the best strikers Wolves have ever had, if not the best striker, because he's doing it week in, week out in the best league in the world. 100%. Big call. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, he's never going to he's never gonna hit uh, Bully's record, right? But in terms of Premier League goals for Wolves, he's probably, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be, well, uh, I'd assume he'll, he'll be up there eventually if, if he's not already broke that record for most Premier League goals. I don't think goals, you're going to so. get many players who would beat 306 goals for a club because oh, no. Unle- no. unless they come through Barcelona and stay there for the rest of their career, they either move to bigger clubs or or whatnot. I think those uh, those days are gone. So he's just, again, I, I hold my hands up and I've probably been a little bit too critical of him, but it's what you come to expect. Like, like you said, see it as a compliment because when he does turn out an 8 out of 10 performance, it's like, well, we used to 9 and 10 out of 10, so what's happened? So see it as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And that, and that was obviously the second win for Wolves. I think the, the game against Bournemouth, Matt, it almost felt like that was the game after the restart. It just seemed a little bit more sluggish, that game, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, I thought personally, Very anyway. Very slow starting. I think the second half was better. Um, but that game last season, we would have lost or drawn. We wouldn't have got anything from that or maybe a point. Now, this season, we're, not, we're playing ugly sometimes and getting wins and... I was saying to you before we came on the pod, this is the first time for me as a Wolves fan now where I feel like something is is really happening and we're going to establish Premier League teams and I expect us to win and I expect us to win comfortably and I'm not thinking if we beat Man United or, or a Chelsea, it's like, oh my God, like, this is massive, we're lucky. It's like, this is how good the team is. We're actually a really, really good side and I, I don't think we give the side enough credit for how how good they are because it's all giddy and you know we're on the we're on the up and it, it's brilliant. But take it in for what it is now because Wolves at the minute are a fantastic side, probably top three sides in the country. Um, so it's just it it's the first time I've ever felt like this as a Wolves fan where I know something something good is really going to happen and I think I think it's only around the corner. If we can keep this current squad of players together going into next season and if we get Champions League. We're going to be a force to be reckoned with. We could be a European powerhouse with that financial backing of the Champions League and stuff. But it's all if but to maybe until we qualify. Yeah, I mean, if if Wolves do qualify for the Champions League, I'm sure we can have a bit more of a discussion yeah. about this shortly. But if I, I was thinking about this this morning, you know, I think if we get into Europa League, we should be okay with the with the squad that we've got now. But if if we qualify for the Champions League, it's going to be extremely interesting to see. The players that Wolves are looking at, the players that Wolves potentially will bring into the club, um, but of course that is a discussion for later in the podcast, or possibly even another podcast, because I'm sure we could speak about that for, for um, <laughs> at least yeah forever. Exactly. I mean, it's still unreal to even mention Wolverhampton Wanderers and, and the Champions League in the same sentence. So, um, fingers crossed. Who knows? I mean, there's uh, there's uh, there's a long way to go still, but uh, it's definitely doable for Wolves. And that moves us on to the most recent game, the third game of the restart, a West Midlands derby against the Villa. 
Um, again, we did have to wait for this one, but in the end, Wolves got it, Matt. Leander Dendonka, someone that probably got, you know, not abuse, but uh, a few question marks over him starting the game against Villa. But again, I think Nuno got it spot on, didn't he? Absolutely. And he was arguably, him and Johnny, he was arguably the best player on the pitch. It's again, it was just, it was perfect. I know the game was shit and the standard wasn't great, but it was just, the game plan was absolutely perfect. Then Donker has just been told, just sit on Grealish. If he, wherever he goes, you go. If he goes for a piss, go and piss next to him. It was just, he, he completely marked him out of the game. Every time he'd come inside, he'd just keep forcing him, forcing him back out the other side. And okay, Grealish went past him once or twice, but you, you bet your bottom dollar he won't go past him a third time. And he didn't. And you know that everything that Villa do is going to go from Grealish. He's, a lot of Wolf will say he's rubbish because he plays a bit. He's not. He's a very good player. And if you give him space and time, he will hurt you. And, and Wolves didn't, and especially then Donker didn't. And then it, that kind of just resorted then to them pumping a ball in the box. So against three six foot three plus centre halves, it just didn't work. But that's the only thing they could do. And every time Villa did get the ball forward, we were back in shape, compact. Eight and nine men behind the ball, and they just couldn't break us down. But that finish from Den Donker on his week, I thought I was not expecting that. I know. Have you watched the uh, BT Sport like the pitch side uh, microphones? And obviously, there's no crowd noise or nothing, so you can hear everything. Um, there's a little bit where I think Doherty makes a good tackle, and obviously you can hear Cody praising him. There's yeah. one Jack Grealish with Neves as well. Um, but then there's the bit with Den Donker as well. I think he's screaming for Johnny to lay him off, and then some, I'm sure someone says, "Don't shoot." And he fucking gets it on his left foot that, and, and uh, blasts it across the goalkeeper. That's Nylon like. saying, no shots, no shots, no shots to keep her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a wall. Yeah, 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 it it's, yeah. it's a great finish. He's just <clears> shifted it onto his left, out of the way of Louise, and he's just rifled it. I mean, there's probably only one place he could have put that. And he, he got it he got it right on the money, but the, the work there from from Johnny and, and him, that ball from him and there. So we talk about him being the complete number nine. I mean, what a ball in for Johnny. And for him to turn and lay it off, it was just... It was a brilliant. And Villa never ever looked like scoring. You still get the jitters because it's a derby. But I, I just, I think we could have played all day and they wouldn't have scored. They've got no game plan. They look like a team already beaten. But we've gone there again. Might not have got anything from it last season. We've gone there and, and beat them. And it's fairly comfortable in the end. I think, like you said, yeah, it's a, a fantastic point. And one that I've sort of, uh, you know, said over the last week or so, the Bournemouth game especially, I think. Wolverhampton Wonders of what the 2018-2019 season probably wouldn't have got anything out of that game um, but the fact that we've grinded out those last two results I say grinded out you know we, we deserve the wins in both uh, but the fact that we've been able mm. to get the three points just shows how far this team has come I think last season you know maybe 60-70 minutes in and it's still nil-nil I think the team just in the back of their heads thought you know what how on yeah. earth are we going to break this down but now after 50, 60 minutes, it's nil-nil. Wolves are determined to find a way to break it down. And the fact that we've got that from an unlikely source, you know, Johnny in the box laying off Dendonka, the two furthest men forward. Johnny on the spot, mate. Uh, him and Ez <laughs> yeah, yeah, Adam are almost taking up their positions. Um, it, it, it's unbelievable. I watched that Johnny run, and I still can't believe it. it very Doc-esque run, wasn't it? You know, when Doc gets the yeah. ball and sort of... He, he picks up the ball on the right-hand side. The next thing you know, he's on the end of a, a, a cross in the middle of the box. Yeah, um, I know. That was, Johnny's attacking it, contribution you know, goes unnoticed. Though he, he, yeah. There's probably not many full-backs in the Prem I'd have over him. He's so consistent. He's so good. He's, if he's 
if his right was as good as his left, or his right as good as his left as good as his right, he'd probably be playing for yeah. Real Madrid. But he's um, it that was that was a great run and that that turn as well to take McGinn completely out of the game. And McGinn, yeah, it was uh, it was great. But yeah. it, I think it shows how far we've come, and I think a lot of the thing about breaking teams down has been the resurgence of Adama Traore because we've got that outlet now and if all else fails just give it to him and you saw when he was getting changed to come on Tyro Ming said to um, the fullback he's coming he's coming yeah I saw to have a well. player like that <laughs> on the bench for us for Wolverhampton yeah. Wanderers where an England centre half established centre half thinking shite he's coming on Pff, tell you what <laughs> it's great <laughs> I know, and it's still a it's still a crazy feeling, yeah. isn't it, for Wolves? I mean, the, some of the the stats and stuff, um, are, especially I mean the back three, uh, they've not had much to do, but the fact that you know they've been so solid now, um, the stats with Willie Bolly, Romain Sace, and Connor Cody now, I think it's for, uh, twelve games they've played together, conceded just six, and they've got nine clean sheets out of those twelve games. That is at a top level yeah. in any league for any team. That is a ridiculous record, isn't it? Nine yeah, clean sheets it, in 12 it's games. It's amazing. Um, but having that back three slash five, it always gives you kind of like another lifeline when you get back in your shape because it's so hard to break down. And a lot of the time, it does take something special. There's not You don't see many games where we've conceded where Bolly or Cody, especially lots of this season, has been a lot sucked in by a centre-half, a centre-forward coming short and the spacing behind. It very rarely happens. So they've been so solid. Bolly's been great, but... I think everyone's giving Code, uh, Sace and Bolly the plaudits, but Cody's organisational skills, you hear it now that the, the crowd's on in there. He's just constantly, constantly on, and the balls that he plays out, they're just on the money all the time. And to have that kind of distribution from your centre-half, it's just it's mental. I think I, th- I think the thing is with Cody, it's like his position, so he's almost like the middleman, yeah. isn't he? So whenever we want to restart a move, the ball normally goes back to Bolly or Sace, and then Cody makes the next decision. Yeah. So Cody's almost the man, in theory, that starts the moves. Um, so th- there's the occasion where Bolly or Sace will play a really, really good ball. Obviously, Cody does the same as well, but Cody's always the man that starts yeah. the move and probably doesn't really get the recognition, like you say, uh, but like his organisation skills. I think out of the three... Especially judging on the first three appearances, I've, I have seen Sace get a couple of you know, couple of bites on Twitter. Yeah, people tackles, saying he's, though, he's, he's just non, no need for it half the time. So I mean, if you know, Wall's made no secret of possibly you know looking at a centre back in the summer. Do you think if anyone's going to be replaced, it's going to be Sace? Yes, yeah, I think Bolly's undroppable. Um, I think any Premier League club would take Bolly. Cody's undroppable in the sense of what he brings to the team in terms of his leadership and how he's made that role his own. He's perfect for it. Plus his defensive contribution as well as improved this season. So I think it has to be safe because sometimes he does get turned, sometimes he gets a little bit too tight. He makes stupid decisions sometimes. But that's not that's not saying he's a bad player. But if you had to pick one to go, it, it would be him. Yeah, but I mean, he may, as I say, we've still got like seven, eight games left. He may well do enough, you know, just to solidify that place. He's played there for Morocco mm. uh, for a number of years as well. And he's doing an okay job. He's, a, he's what Wolves want, really, a good ball-playing defender. He's that left-footed mm. player to allow Bolly to switch to the right-hand side for the first time. And I think that's almost a compliment to say, isn't it, really? Yeah. That, you know, the fact that, you know, Nuno has introduced him into that left centre-back role, which Bolly 
we just all thought Bolly was the man to play there. But I've noticed as well with Bolly, he's playing quite high yeah, as well. I think um, it gives when we're yeah. actually, you know, when we sat on the halfway line, Bolly's actually like pushing the ball up quite nicely. He's so powerful. On the That's ball what as you well. want, though, isn't it? You want to bring, you want you, especially if you're playing in a three, you want your centre half to bring in that ball out into midfield. But I think, I think playing a left footer on the left and the right footer on the right gives you a lot more options as well when people people are pressing. There's always that. Yeah. That, that one option and you can you know, open your body up instead of someone coming inside to take the ball and press it off where you're, you're inviting pressure essentially then get it on the outside and, and, and you can do a bit more with it so again having that three at the back there's always an option if you're being pressed because it's not gonna you're not going to be pressing in threes you're usually going to have one up top or two up top there's always a spare man and if that's not on there's always an out ball in Doc and Johnny so formation works a treat it's probably a matter of time before people kind of suss us out but I expect Nuno to keep evolving it anyway yeah, and I, I, we can move on to the remaining fixtures now, really. Wolves-Arsenal, Wolves-Sheffield United, Wolves-Everton, Wolves-Burnley, Wolves-Palace, Wolves-Chelsea. All teams, I believe, that are more or less top half or, you know, top of the bottom half. Um, so the tough games in there, definitely um, tougher games and obviously the first three. But the most amazing stat out of this is that Wolves haven't actually beat any, any of them. Of, any of them. <laughs> um, it's been five draws and... One defeat, obviously losing to Chelsea earlier in the season. We drew to Arsenal, drew to Sheffield United. Everton, oh, Everton, Everton, of course. Well. Yeah, 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 sorry, yeah. Um, and drew to Burnley and, and Palace. If we look at the first three, Matt, Arsenal at home, Sheffield United away and Everton at home, I think those three could have a massive, massive effect, especially those first two against mm. Arsenal and Sheffield United. Not just Champions League football, but ensuring Wolves get European football next season. If we can put some daylight between us and Arsenal next game, I think we're dead cert for a Europa League place. Um, but again, you Arsenal, the, the sixes and sevens, they've, they've been shit since the restart. No, no reason why we can't get three points. Again, pinching myself at that. But look at Sheffield United, they've really struggled. I think the crowd at Bramall Lane really gives them that 12th man and without that, they're sinking like a stone. Um, and I can, I can only see that keep happening they've probably overachieved anyway Chris Wilder's done an amazing job but defensively they're, they're sound similar system to us really organised really fit but you'd like to think now there's no crowds technically better teams are probably going to pick up more points and I think that's probably where their limitations are um, and the air if you, you blow it on cold like an air conditioning unit don't know it can be great one week and it be absolutely awful so if you look at the first three games, people are saying, oh, I expect nine points. No one expected it because it's Wolves. But we've got nine points. So now, we've set the standard. Need another three wins. <laughs> oh, that'd be, that would be good. Yeah, no, and I think if you look at if you look at Sheffield United and Arsenal, you know, they're both on a bit, you know, sort of ropey runs at the moment. And Everton, I know they've, they've improved under Ancelotti, but they're still under a bit of pressure to try. I know their fans have got pretty big expectations for what they want to try and achieve with the club, haven't they? Like, yeah. So it's, it's, it's just trying, if we can, you know, it's still crazy, to, 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 as I said, to be talking about the Champions League. But if we can, I think, especially against Arsenal, Sheffield United, I think two wins there. And I think you're more or less yeah. guaranteed it because you, you're that far yeah. clear of them both. Especially because they're in and around us already as well. Sheffield yeah. United have got Spurs um, in the next, in the coming days. If 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 they get a, either get a point there, have they got Spurs. They may have Spurs some. and they may yeah, have Man yeah. United. I can't remember. Uh, again, if they get a point there each, <laughs> and then we go and beat Arsenal and, and Sheffield United, that puts a that puts a lot of clear daylight with, between us and them. And Leicester are, 
a faltering. I've seen a lot. Of, I've got quite a few Leicester fans on Twitter and mates. Yeah. They're like, what's happening? Like, we don't play this system. It's not working. We need to stop playing wingers. And it's like, it seems like they're on a bit of a, a, a rubbish patch. So we're only three points behind them. If they don't win their next game or if they lose. And yeah, considering exactly. the gap before, we've we've closed that brilliantly, and I can I can see them dropping out the top four. It'll be interesting. I mean, obviously we're three points clear of United as it as it stands at the time of recording the podcast. Um, we are um, seven points clear of Spurs as well, um, and eight points clear of Sheffield United. So, like as I say, you know, you, Sheffield United, for argument's sake, drop points in the next game, then we beat them. You know, you're looking sort of 10 points, 10, 11 yeah. points clear. You know, I'd, we're, in, I'd take, we're in a good I'd spot. I'd take seven points for the next three. I know that's still unbeaten, but six to seven points, I think, would probably be enough to see us get Europa League. And what a journey that would be again. I mean, they, that will be interesting to see. Obviously, we know the Europa League is kicking off in August. Uh, in July, yeah, it is in, in, in August, sorry. Mm. Um, I think they're still umming and ahhing whether to let Wolves play at Molyneux, which I'd expect would happen. I mean, do you have any... I know it's a bit of a... Side note, but would you have any preference on where Wolves play for that game? It's got to be Molyneux. Olympiacos will be doing everything they can to get that player at a neutral venue because they've already had the home advantage in uh, in, in their stadium. So I can't see why, in in interest of fairness, or why we can't have it at, um, at Molyneux. But I really, I really think you can do something special in the Europa League. I've I've loved the Europa League this season. Obviously, me and you have been away together yeah. a, a few times and. It, being in the arse end of nowhere, drinking 50p <laughs> points is just amazing. And just if you could kindly make sure that happens again next season, <laughs> that'd be great. I think, I, I mean, how good would it be as well? You know, if, if we got into the Champions League, the you know, we'd probably be third or fourth seed, or probably third seed, which would mean we're guaranteed almost a team that has won a league. Could be Barcelona, yeah. Juventus, you know, PSG. I mean, how mm. good of an away game would would one of those be? That would be, you know, yeah, a ridiculous. I love way. Barcelona. Love Barcelona again. When we went to West Brighton, nice I yeah. love Barcelona as a city. So to go there again would be great. But as long as I don't really, I know, a bit picky, but I really can't be asked with like qualifying again for the Europa League because a it, it, it hits you in the wallet, but b it's just a little bit tedious. I ever want group stage Europa League or. Um, even qualification, early qualification, knockouts for. Uh, I think for if the you finish, uh, I think in the Champions League, if you finish like four, four, it might be fifth in our case. Uh, if City get banned, um, I think it's. I think you only have to go through one qualification round, I believe. And you normally, mm. you know, you, you will probably get a similar sort of team that we'd play in the sort of last round of the Europa League qualification. So, still a tough game, but should be beatable for for a team like ours. And and as you say, I mean, it'll be very very interesting to see. You know, the fact that Wolves have still been able to sort of attract the quality of players that we have been. Imagine now you can say, right, Wolverhampton Wanderers, they've finished, you know, in European spots for the last two years and now in the Champions, Champions League. That's that's most players' dreams, isn't it? Maybe not the Wolverhampton bit, but to play in the Champions League would be, you know, most players' dreams. Yeah, and the kind of players would be, be attracting would just, it'd open that net far wider and you could afford to put players on bigger salaries because I think, as we covered, as we covered before on the channel, it, a player salary is a bigger indication of how good of a player they are at the minute than than the transfer fee that we paid for them. So, mm-hmm. I think it it would allow us to kind of break through what our salary cap is in the minute. What probably hundred and twenty grand a week, probably the uh, highest earner if that. Um, you're probably breaking through the one fifties, one sixties, and when you do that, the type of players that you're going to attract 
it's only gonna make it's only gonna make us better and I'm just praying that we can do it because we're in a great position in Europa League to kick on because we've got Olympiacos if we if we get past them is it quarters semis and a final uh, yeah it's played over one leg isn't it so yeah we could potentially be four wins away from winning the Europa League which is absolutely mental but then we've still got a great opportunity in the league to do something special I just hope I just hope they pull through and do something special in either if not both because. I don't know when when the opportunity is going to be as good as this. Uh, I mean, for most Wolves fans, I think this is probably the best football and best results-wise, and you know that we've ever seen. I think yeah, um, we saw something about a record as well. The West Midlands uh, teams, the highest points uh, ratio. I think it was sixty-five points, wasn't it? Villa, sort of late twenty ten. I think something like that. Yeah, we're now so, so I think we've got to get sort of four, maybe four or five wins out of our last six to match that. I think so. That is going to be you know tough, pretty tough. But um, I think it's going to be, you know, with how much Liverpool have dominated the league, I think 65 points for any team would be very, very good. And I think the team, obviously, back then, I think the the top four were all getting quite high points or top six were getting higher points. So it will be interesting to see how we can finish the season. But if we finish on 65 points, that would be uh, that would be unbelievable. And that's really, yeah. you know, that that's putting a lot of pressure on Leicester and Chelsea. You, of course, have got a game in hand, but... Yeah. Like you team, they, 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 they spent a lot of dough, even by those standards. Yeah. And they had Martin O'Neill, one of the reasons he left, because they didn't give him any more dough to spend. And we've not spent, I know we spent like 30 million quid on a striker, but we've, we've not we've not That's done still nothing like though, is it? That's still nothing. Yeah. No, like not in today's standards. market. Yeah. I mean, look at players like Jolinton and Haller, that cost more and quite like Haller, but Jolinton's a bag of shots. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's a snip really in in today's market. But we've not spent the two hundreds, the three hundred, the four hundred millions like Man City did before they started to get it right. Like we've gone about it brilliantly, gone about it shrewdly economically, and hopefully that's going to stand us in good stead once the pandemic's over. Because clubs are going to fall by the wayside, and clubs like Bournemouth who spend like every, I think it's something like eighty-eight pence of every pound of revenue goes into wages. Wolves are nowhere wow. near that. So I know that they're in. You know we're gonna we're gonna be in a really good stead once the pandemic's over in terms of finances. And if we are in the Champions League, sky's the limit. I think like like you say as well, Bournemouth. You know they've, they've Jordan and I have eighteen million pounds a couple of years ago. He's been released. Uh, I think I saw a stat as well. They'd spent hundreds of millions on a certain amount of strikers who'd only got about thirteen goals in over two hundred games. Like a, a Fobi, Solanke. Yeah. Um, Wilson's fallen off the edge of a cliff hasn't he really yeah, in terms yeah. of his goal scoring probably because Fraser's not playing who else they saw, um, they signed other players I mean they let yeah. what's the name go didn't they to Sheffield United uh, Lee Smoussay he was very highly yeah. thought of at Bournemouth and it shows I mean probably not as good as he was now but he was on a real purple patch around November time so yeah. Bournemouth are, I just don't know who's going to go down now because they're all having a competition with each other. Who can, who can be shit who's as the possible? worst? I know. Yeah, Watford, yeah. West Ham, Bournemouth, filler, and even you know Norwich. Norwich are done for. I think they've got to yeah. they've got to somehow get at least eight or nine points from their last few games, and that's almost half of the amount of points that they've had all season. So I think that'll be very very difficult. But is there anyone very quickly before we end? Is there anyone out of those teams that you would nick out of Watford, West Ham, Bournemouth, or Villa? I take Grealish at Villa. Yeah. I would take McGinn if he wouldn't have been out all season. Watford is mainly Saar. Um, I'd even take Capu, even though he's a little bit older, but he's he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Decore potentially. Norwich, yeah. the only player I'd probably take is 
Campbell or Brendier, but again, I don't think they get into our team. Yeah. Bournemouth, Nathan Aki, get him Aki. in. But I think he's going to go yeah. to City. But again, apart that from well. that, I don't see where any of them really fit into our team. You, you could take a player like Grealish, but I don't think Nuno would want someone like that who could potentially be a divisive character in the dressing room. So I think all these players that are going down, Wolves won't be looking at. It's going to be the... The, the ones abroad that we're probably looking at. I've seen we've been linked with a lot of players like Corona and, and today, uh, is it Otavio from yeah, Porto Otavio, as well? Yeah. So probably those kind of players we're looking at. But I think their attitudes are probably a little bit better than those of the, the British players. As you've seen during the pandemic, we've had Gibbs White, Kyle Walker, Andre Gray. Um, who else? Who else has kind of like broken lockdown rules? <laughs> you don't really see it. Yeah. Hudson Adoy, Grealish. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've, you've seen these players who are all all English. So again, I think the attitudes are a little bit different to to the foreign players. But yeah, um, I think they'll be looking. I think they'll be looking abroad for, for talent. Do you think? Do you think that we need to bolster with English players in any part of the team? Uh, I mean, for next season, maybe you know, Champions League rules are a little bit tighter again. Um, someone like Danny Ings, maybe, or is is that not the player that oh. you think Wolves would look like, look at? I don't know. I don't think they would because he's got two glass knees. He's had a yeah. great season. I watched him against Watford the other day, and he was he was brilliant. Like he was so good as a centre forward. But Southampton are going to want a lot of money for him. He's not going to come sit on the bench for because he's not as good as Jimenez. Um, I don't think they're the type of players. I, I could probably see someone like Cantwell joining, although I don't know where he, he he wouldn't start for us. But he's young. He fills that quota. He's only going to develop. He's going to sell him on a higher price. So. Maybe, but they are going to need to blood some English players through. Matheson will probably be another one of those. So, like you said, the restrictions are a little bit more stringent in uh, the yeah. Champions League if we do qualify. <laughs> Jumping the gun a bit, Dave. I know, I know. We, I mean, we're getting a bit excited, but you know. Um, but yeah, Matt, I think that, that's been a while. Obviously, we've reviewed the, the sort of three games, given our thoughts, obviously, on the rest of the season. We'll probably be back, guys. Maybe after another three games, that'll leave us sort of uh, through the halfway point or, or two-thirds of the way, sorry, through the restart. And uh, fingers crossed that Wolves are still in an, another great position. We're right now knocking on the door for the top four. Wolves potentially could qualify for the Champions League. There's a long way to go. Plenty of points still to play for. Um, but Matt, thanks a lot again. If anyone is looking for you on social medias, where, where can they find you? Um, they can find us at Talking Wolves or M. Cooper Wright um, on Instagram. And Twitter, and like as we alluded to in the first bit of the pod, if anyone wants to come and write for Talking Wolves, who's got a background in writing or wants to get into it, or like I said, a, a uni student in journalism, come and write for talkingwolves.co.uk. A really good opportunity. Um, so, yeah, just drop by over Talking Wolves or Dave and I a message um, and we can have a chat about it. But once again, thanks to all those who have contributed so far. It's been a real good effort. And yeah, we can't thank you enough. Yeah, and, and the same goes for the video content as well, guys. I've had a couple of people yeah. that do Wolves content, you know, reach out. If you are interested or you're comfortable enough in front of the camera, let us know and uh, we can get you involved. But uh, as Matt said, you can find Talking Walls on social media, at Talking Walls everywhere. You can find me, at Dave as a party, on Twitter as well. Um, but guys, you've been fantastic. Thanks for listening to the Talking Walls podcast and we'll be back very, very soon for some more. Thank you very much. <laughs>